welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a writer at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow writer, my co-host, but most importantly, my good buddy, Trader Tim, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, how's it going, man, on this, uh, what amounts to first day of free agency in the NFL? I'm just trying to catch my breath, Brian. That was... That was a crazy day. There's a lot of things happening, way more than I was expecting. And this whole time, I mean, I thought I was just going to be sitting here waiting for that stimmy to hit. And instead, I'm just getting message after message of free agent going here and going there. And this whole time, I didn't get the one I wanted. I mean, I love Juice, Verrett back. Like, I love those things. But give me some Trent Williams. Yeah. Give me some Trent Williams. Yeah, I mean, the... Honestly, I feel like I'm impressed with the amount of guys that they are bringing back. I, I definitely thought that Juice could be gone. I thought that Verrett could be gone. And so the fact that they're bringing back Juice, they brought back Verrett, and we're going to get into all the signings. But you're right. The the one thing that, that 49er fans have been waiting for, the one thing that I was waiting for, was you know when is, uh, when are, when is Schefter going to announce that Big Trent is coming back to Santa Clara? And... It's uh, Monday at 9.54 p.m., and so far uh, we have not gotten Trent Williams' final rose. And so I'm not sure. I mean, um, you know, we talked about it off air before we started here, uh, and and I will say that uh, it doesn't matter what they have to pay him. The 49ers have to re-sign Trent Williams. Their entire offseason, the entire 2021 season – really kind of is all tied up in whether or not they can resign Trent Williams because there aren't any other options out there that are going to provide you with the type of play and value that that Trent Williams will and does. So let's go. Let's go, John. Uh, let's get this done because uh, us 49er fans are on pins and needles waiting to hear that uh, that you got him. It's it, it, he's one of those players that it it changes the entire dynamic of the offseason. You know, right now I'd give the 49ers, you know, day one in free agency. It was a good day, but it wasn't like an outstanding knock your socks off day. Like it's a B, B plus first day. If we get Trent Williams, like it goes pre-draft A, A plus. Like almost you get your top three things that you were trying for and then you get a sneaky, really good free agent, which we'll get into later on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the, you know, overall, I just think that Trent Williams would round out this this pre-draft uh, free agency period of of just a fantastic um, signing period. But can you explain to me, like I've looked at the numbers mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out how in the world when when it looks like the 49ers were were limited with funds that they keep they restructure deals like they restructured D Ford's deal today. Yeah. And and how did they get how did they make money this year by restructuring D Ford's deal and then if they only have 10 million dollars exp- like explain to everyone how they would get Trent Williams when he's supposed to be making 20 plus million a year. So that that's a good question and um I am not going to pretend to be an expert. I feel like I've put in a lot of time to try and understand the cap a, a little bit better than I did previously and I've put in a fair amount of time to try and understand the 49ers cap situation going into this offseason. And so uh <clears throat> the the D Ford restructure, we don't have all of the details, but here is what I have gathered. So, D Ford restructured his contract to a two-year, $24 million contract. Now, the reason that they did this is because in D. Ford's previous contract, he had a partial injury guarantee in year three, which is the current year that he's going into. And that partial injury guarantee was going to hit on April 1st. And basically what that meant was if for any reason... D Ford was injured and couldn't pass a physical by April 1st of 2021, then his 2021 base salary, which was going to be $14 million 
of that 14 million, 11.6 million of it was going to be guaranteed, which meant that no matter what, they were going to pay D Ford $11.6 million. Now, likely what they did was they took that 11.6, they converted it into a signing bonus because with a signing bonus, you can amortize that over the life of the contract, which just means that you can split it up for the length of the contract. So in this instance, for example, if it's $12 million, six of that would count this year against the cap and six of it would count next year against the cap. And then the other thing that they likely did was they lowered his base salary more than likely to the vet minimum. This is what they did with Jarek McKinnon when they restructured McKinnon. Um, what was that a year ago or two years ago? I can't remember. He before last season. Yeah. Before last season. So, you know, they restructured his deal because he, he had those injuries and, 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 you know, they weren't, he wasn't going to, to earn that contract that he, that they had given him. And so, they restructured it to two years and 24 million. So at its base, I imagine that they're saving more than this, but without the details, at the very least, what we can assume is that they are going to uh, earn $8 million in cap relief because D Ford's cap hit in 2021 was going to be $20 million. So again, without knowing all the details, if it's a two-year, $24 million contract, well, then that just means $12 million this year, $12 million next year, as, like I said, as a without knowing the details, which is $8 million less than 20. So at the very least, they, got, they, they earned themselves back $8 million in cap relief this year. More than likely, it's higher than that, just based on all of the, all of the ways that Parag Marate can work his, his cap wizardry. So that restructure along with the Weston Richburg restructure, which happened over the weekend. And then the cap relief that they got when Richard Sherman didn't achieve the $11 million in roster or game bonuses that he would have achieved with all of that, right? They currently stand at about... million in cap space. And then if you add that 8 million that they got, then what we're looking at right now is probably about $30 million. Now we haven't talked about the signings that they had yet. um, Right. But they re-signed, but but 30 million is pretty significant right now in a, it is in a, in a, in a lowered cap year where things were super tight that puts them in, what how high how high up are they now in the they're they're in the top 10 right yeah well they already were in the top 10 without this uh d ford restructure so they're definitely higher in the top 10 now in terms of teams that have cap space but again the big the big domino hasn't fallen yet that big domino being trent williams and so it's difficult to know where they're at in terms of what i would call effective cap space right because obviously they are they are their entire offseason hinges on this Trent Williams signing, right? What they can continue to do outside of what they've already done depends on if they can sign Trent Williams or or not. If they can't, then obviously they've got to pivot and start looking at other places and and take that money that they'd earmarked for Williams's contract and and start spending it other places. But uh, according to David Lombardi, so really, really fun thing that the athletic did, right? So David Lombardi and Matt Barrows are the 49ers beat writers for the athletic. And earlier this week, I'm sorry, last week, they, uh, put out a spreadsheet that they put together that would allow you as a fan to be essentially the 49ers GM and it allowed you to 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 sign players and it, it would give you a, a cap hit for those players and what they wanted the exercise to be is you know here's an exercise put your gm hat on and see if you can put together a 53 man roster of a, a cap compliant 53 man roster for the 49ers with free agent signings and draft picks and so I know I had a lot of fun doing it. I know you did as well. 
and uh you know we both made some similar moves um but one of the things that that they put in in terms of the cap hit for Trent Williams was a was a cap hit of 8 million dollars and the way that they got to that was that they predicted that the 49ers if they signed Trent Williams would sign him to a contract that averaged 23 million dollars a year right 23 million in average annual value and they used the Kittle contract and the Armstead contract as their uh, comparisons. And in both of those contracts, what Parag Marate did was he was able to get the first year cap hit number at around 30 to 35% of the average annual value. And so for the purposes of this exercise, they predicted that Trent Williams would sign a contract with the $23 million in average annual value with a first year cap hit of $8 million. And so likely if the 49ers do sign Trent Williams, I think what you will end up seeing is a first year cap hit of probably eight to $10 million. It now that's it. it, That is very complicated to understand. Um, It is. (laughs) If if you're not, if you don't immerse yourself in in the salary cap and the way that teams are able to kind of navigate, maneuver, kind of massage certain certain deals into different you know years and pushing money into into a signing bonus and spreading it out and doing all these crazy things that very very smart people are doing things way smarter than I can come up with, but it it makes it almost seem like if you're aggressive, there is no real salary cap. Like it, it well, makes Saints me have, feel like, I'd say the saints have told us that year after year, after year, after year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know this, this, my own personal philosophy is kind of shifting a little bit as when the 49ers were building a roster in the first couple of years, I completely understood the philosophy of making every dollar count being very pragmatic with, you know, I, I like that prog, prog, pragmatic, pragmatic. Nice. I Pro- love it. There it is. Pragmatic. Um, <laughs> new term. Copyright that denim dungeon has that. Um, but in that, in that sense, that's the way that they were going to build a team it was very, very smart and methodical. But now they have a roster. They have a very talented core. It, it seems like they are just health away from being in the playoffs and a few breaks away from being in the champ- NFC championship game where you have, you know, a Super Bowl berth on the line. Now's the time to be aggressive. Like the Super Bowl window is open. And as we've seen, the door can get slammed shut, right? Or the window, the Super Bowl window could get slammed shut quickly. So be aggressive. Go after Trent Williams. Do whatever you have to do to bring him back and solidify the left side of that line. Be aggressive. And then, be be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. That's like that was a <laughs> uh, like a high school cheer. That was nice. That's exactly what I was going for. T- taking me back. Um, but yeah, you you, re- you know do whatever you got to do to get Trent Williams. But then maybe if if they are wizards. And, and they're not willing to restructure Jimmy's contract or cut Jimmy and get, you know, just, was it 26 million? If they, if we talked about this on the last podcast, I, I forget the exact if they, number. If they cut Jimmy, if they cut Jimmy, then uh, there would be. It's like t- almost 24 uh, million, right? It, it, they would only owe him $2.8 million. So they would save about $25 million. Yeah. Yeah. So if, I mean, if you do that, obviously that's a way to get a ton of money. But I also feel like there's, if the Chiefs can sign, you know, Patrick Mahomes to a billion dollars and the Cowboys can sign Dak Prescott to 160 million and it was just a half billion for Mahomes, just a half, not a full, no, just a half. Oh my, (laughs) I know. And I was being like, I was trying to, be facetious or whatever the word is that like is oh i'm just kidding around no really like it it. was facetious is correct you nailed it 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 is my 
my English teachers would be so proud. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty well tonight. That type of money is ridiculous. And yet somehow they still sign. They, they get a massive signing at guard today. It just, it, I don't understand and, and obviously, yeah. that's why I'm not in the position to <laughs> make why, all these deals. That's why you're not a GM. That's why we're Twitter That's why GMs. I'm not that good. We're Twitter that's GMs and not sit, NFL GMs. Yeah, that's why I'm sitting behind this microphone just trying to entertain people <laughs> and throwing yeah, the, out uh, mustache pics on right. Twitter. Like, Killing that's it. what I got. Killing it. Yeah, so the Patrick Mahomes contract is 10 years, $450 million. So a shade under half a billion. Just a shade. <laughs> Jeez. Guaranteed at signing sixty three million. I mean, the likelihood that he earns four hundred fifty million is probably pretty low, but still, it's uh, it's outrageous. And so, and not only that, but he already restructured the deal. Um, what like four or five days ago, uh, which allowed them the room to sign Joe Tooney, who is the guard that you were speaking of, the top guard on the market. And the, but here is the thing. They paid Joe Tooney a lot of money. Uh, they still don't have tackles. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure. You, picking you know, up two tackles in the draft is... Picking up yeah. one quality tackle is yeah. hard in the draft. If they need two... This is one of those reasons why I was saying like Super Bowl windows don't stay open very often. They need a line to protect Patrick Mahomes. If, As evidenced if they don't by have, the Super Bowl they lost. And if they don't have tackles, like I'm sorry, but you're, you're not going to... You're not going to win Super Bowl titles without an offensive line. And a guard does not make an offensive line. It does not, but he's good. I guess he's also played tackle and he's also played center. He's a very versatile guy, but still, yeah, they, you know, I'm not 100% sure what they're doing. I'm sure there will be, they'll make moves. They might sign a veteran. I don't think they're in earlier in the day, excuse me, earlier in the day, they, um, there was rumors that they were in on Trent Williams. I think this Tooney signing takes them out. And so I, I feel like there have been other rumors. There's rumors that the bears are in on Williams, but I still think it really comes down to whether he's going to play in Indianapolis or whether he's going to play in San Francisco. I think Indianapolis is the biggest, the, the biggest hurdle to, to Williams coming back to the 49ers. Could you imagine him and Quentin or no, Trent Williams? The, yeah. Trent Williams and, and Quentin Nelson. Quentin, Quentin Nelson. That's might be the best to, left side of an offensive line in NFL history. It, whoever's the running back, it's like, yay. <laughs> like student body left. Yeah. Like, here we go. Yeah. Follow those two guys to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan. No. Yeah. Jonathan. Dang. I can't remember his last name. They drafted him last year out of Wisconsin. He was the NCAA rushing leader. Um, and I the name escapes me, but yeah, he would, I'm pretty sure he would be, you know, salivating at the opportunity to run behind those guys. But, you know, as it stands right now, again, Trent Williams hasn't been signed. Who has been signed? Who have the 49ers signed? And so there is, uh, they've signed a handful of their own free agents. And then they've also brought in one outside free agent as it stands right now. And so the first, uh, the first domino that fell, was actually uh, Emmanuel Mosley. At least when we talk about dominoes, we're talking about big dominoes. Emmanuel Mosley signed a two-year, $10.1 million contract. Again, these are max value, right? Whether they get to it or not, there's, I'm sure there's incentives and whatnot. Uh, according to Track, the contract that Mosley signed has a cap hit this season of $2.6 million and a cap hit next season of six point seven. So they obviously structured it to you know, make it cap friendly for this year. And so there's one starter. And then they also re-signed Jason Verrett. So the nice thing is, is that we came into this off season with no starting cornerbacks, right? All of them were free agents, Richard Sherman, Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, and K1 Williams were all, and Akella Witherspoon were all, mm -hmm. are all free agents. They brought back Mosley two for 10 and then they brought back Jason Verrett. That was announced today. One year, $5.5 million, up to $6.5 million if he does make the Pro Bowl. So this is a situation where Verrett is betting on himself and the 49ers are betting on Verrett to stay healthy. Both of them are, are making the same bet that he's going to stay healthy. And I think if Verrett can stay healthy, then that's the right bet to make because he's elite and you know he could end up with a payday from the 49ers or from somebody else 
after this season. And so those are the two signings that they had in the secondary. How do you feel about both of those? Well, I think they're, they're great signings. I, I think, I mean, I love E-Man. Um, he, he was really solid in 2019. He made some spectacular plays, um, just kind of doing some things that you wouldn't expect a player as young as he was to make. And then last year, obviously with, with all the injuries that took place on defense, he kind of hit also, he wasn't at the level that he was in 2019, still not shabby, but definitely there was a little bit of a drop off. But I do feel that when he is paired up with Verrett and there is no, like, yes, I would say draft somebody, definitely put somebody who's going to put the pressure on. But when, but if Eman knows that the job's his, I think that he'll be able to, to get back to 2019 form. Um, Kyle Juszczyk, I mean, love the guy. I was really interested in in 49er Twitter last night. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Sunday night 49er I, Twitter was lit. And it was lit because John Lynch and Jed York were also lit. They were they were drunk. And 100%. Least, 100%. <laughs> and like... I love that. Like, I think that was by far and away some of the most fun. Like, I, t- I remember texting you going, did their accounts get hacked? Because this is not normal. Well, uh, and I 100% thought that they did. Because initially, the tweet that came out from John Lynch was uh, what amounted to, hey, guys, I'm thirsty. How many of you want some juice? And everybody then lost their minds like, oh, my God, they're about to sign Kyle Juszczyk, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, it said his tweet said, I'm thirsty Niners fans. You want some juice in quotation marks. Right. And so I'm like, oh yeah, big news. Right. And then not, (laughs) not long after (laughs) Jed York, the owner of the 49ers (laughs) sent out a tweet that said, uh, where is it? I'm the luckiest man in the world. My wife, and then he tagged his wife, our coach, hashtag Kyle, RGM, <laughs> at John Lynch 49ers, love my life and those I share it with. <laughs> that was the tweet. And so I initially texted you the, the Lynch Kyle. tweet. Yeah, hashtag Kyle. I love it. I, I sent you the the John Lynch tweet, and I was like, you know, with the eye emoji, like, oh, hey, like something's about to go down. And then I texted you like five minutes later. I was like, never mind. They've been hacked because I was like, there's no way that Jed York sent that tweet out. And then, you know, we find out this morning. Yeah, no, that was that was both of them. They both sent each of those tweets out. No one was hacked. And so, yeah, it was uh, (laughs) it was uh, it was a fun evening for 49ers Twitter for sure. Uh, I, I mean, literally that was, it was, it made me giggle. Like, and then, uh, hashtag Kyle is now trending as one of the, it's like, it was in the top 10 in the United it, States. It's in my Twitter bio now. It, it, my Twitter bio ends with hashtag Kyle. <laughs> hashtag Kyle. And that, you know, that, that's something that all 49er fans now are going to rally behind for a while. And, and it's great. Um, and then to, to wrap up on your question, you also asked about Jason Verrett, and I really do like that signing. You said that he's betting on himself, and that is something that, you know, he signed a one-year deal, $5.5 million, up to 6.5. And when you say he's betting on himself, he's betting on himself, one, to remain healthy this year and earn that extra, that extra million, but also stay healthy and continue to play at a high level so that next year when the salary cap goes up, there's more money to get in an extended deal. If he would have signed it this year, he would not have made the money in a three-year deal than if the salary cap was higher when it could be next year. So he really is betting on himself to stay healthy and to make that money and to get that bag. Yeah, and then so like we we said earlier, Kyle Uzcheck. They also resigned Kyle Uzcheck. The numbers initially came out; it was a five-year, twenty-seven million dollar contract, and everyone was kind of, you know, not up in arms. Forty Nine er fans love Kyle Uzcheck, and you know, it made it. They were they. 
mo- I'm as far as I know, most fans were like, that's fine, whatever. As long as we get juice back. A lot of analysts are like, why are we still paying that kind of money to a fullback? Well, the reality is, is that it's actually probably more like a two year deal because the cap hit in 2021 is 2.3 million. The cap hit in 2022 is 3 million. And then in the next three years, it goes 6.6, 7.6 and 7.6. And for a fullback that will be 30 this year already is 30, I believe. I don't think they're going to be paying him 6.6, 7.6, and 7.6 in the subsequent years. However, with that said, one of the things that we talked about in a previous episode, I don't know if it was the most recent one or the one before, uh, Dak Prescott got his contract. And one of the things that people were saying that was, was, that was, that was the last episode. Was that last episode? So yeah. one of the things that people were saying was, this is a huge contract, right? And maybe this is Jerry Jones tipping his hand a little bit about the incoming TV deals that are about to uh, go into effect with the NFL, in which each package is twice as much now as it was in the previous agreements. So there are some that have project that have predicted that by 2025, which would be the last year of Uchek's deal the cap could explode to anywhere like somewhere around the $250 million. So a lot of the contracts that you're going to see signed because the cap is so low this year, artificially low because of COVID, a lot of these deals are going to be backloaded, like significantly backloaded. And they can do that because they know that the cap is going to go up because of these TV deals. So I would imagine after 2022, they may look to restructure or they may say, you know what? It's time to, it's time to move on. But Kyle, you check a five-year deal, basically a two-year deal. When you, when you look at the amount of money that's guaranteed and the, the cap structure that, that, that they, that they put together, it's paragmatic contract. <laughs> he, so, and Kyle, you check is, is a, is a very hot button issue for a lot of, you know, 49er faithful analysis, you know, podcasters, writers, a lot of people don't believe that paying a running back that kind of money is, is beneficial to the team. Uh, and especially when you get into the fullback position of the running back stable, I, you know, I will die on this Hill as long as Kyle use is healthy he brings an element to the 49ers offense that no one else does. He is an elite, elite blocker, which means you can count him in the tight end realm of, of players. But he is also an elite pass catcher out of the backfield, which means he can, you know, you can put him in the slot. You can put him at the H back. You can put him as an extra tight end. He runs great routes. And then he he does very, very well in short yardage situations. And that's what you want out of a fullback. He so, ran he actually ran a lot more last year than he had at at all in his 49ers tenure. That was an interesting thing, an interesting development to see. You know, and to speak to what it is that you just said, David Lombardi, uh, again the the beat writer for the 49ers for the athletic, tweeted this out yesterday. He said that the 49ers with Kyle Juszczyk have a plus two expected points added per 100 plays when he's on the field. When he's not on the field, it's minus eight expected points added per 100 plays, which is a 10 point swing. And then also a 15 point per 100 play difference on run plays and a six point success rate drop off without him. So that those are all fancy numbers to say that the, the 49ers offense is significantly more efficient when Kyle Juszczyk is on the field than when he's not on the field. And that's what you're paying for. You know, it's not, it's not that he's a fullback and, and, you know, he's going to get you six touchdowns a season and whatever. He is an integral part of this outside zone scheme that Kyle can also use as a chess piece in the passing game. And he's so much more than just a fullback. And so, you know, these arguments of like, why are you paying this amount of money? Well, the reality is, is they're really only paying him. Again, the cap hit is what? Uh, two point, what do we say? Two point, uh, $2.3 million Three. this year. Uh, I'm a hundred percent on board 
55 times out of 10 to have Kyle Juszczyk on my team at $2.3 million. I'm, I'm doing the math. I'm trying to make that 55 out of... Anyways, moving on. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. It's, it's <laughs> Prague Marate math. I don't understand it. Um, okay, so let talk to me about who the Niners signed on the defensive side of the ball uh, opposite Nick Bosa. All right, so the 49ers only signed one outside free agent so far. And again, when we say signed, the league year doesn't actually start until Wednesday, March 17th. So all of these contracts are negotiated. The player and the agent have said, yeah, we're taking that deal. They don't become official until Wednesday. But that being said, the 49ers signed edge rusher Samson Ebukam. We looked that up. That is the correct pronunciation. Ebukam. 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 You got it. Nailed it. Samson Ebukam from the LA Rams. Samson, Samson. To a two-year $12 million up to $13.5 million deal. And Samson was an outside linebacker uh, with LA. He was drafted in the 2017 NFL draft out of Eastern Washington. He was a teammate of Kendrick Bourne. And for his first three years in the league, he was kind of cast as an outside linebacker in the Rams scheme. And then when Wade Phillips left and Brandon Staley came in, he played more of an edge role than that outside linebacker or strong side linebacker role. And so the interesting thing about him is there hasn't been a ton of production. His uh, highest sack total uh, in any given season is four and a half. In fact, he has he has 14 sacks in his four seasons in the NFL. And so you might hear that and think it's an underwhelming signing. And, and honestly, when I first saw it, I thought that too. But the thing that you have to look at is you got to kind of dig in a little bit in terms of trying to see, A, how he fits with the 49ers, and B, why they would make this, this signing. And so one of the things that uh, I think is interesting is just his measurables, okay? So Ebukam is... Six one and seven eighths, right? So he's six two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I if that was my height, I'm telling everybody I'm six two. I'm not get this bullshit one eighth of an inch out of here. I'm six two. He was two hundred forty pounds when he was drafted. I think he's playing a little bit heavier than that. I think he's in the two fifty range. But he ran a four five forty at his pro day, and he had a vertical jump of thirty nine inches a broad jump of 130 inches, a three-cone drill of 7.07 seconds, a 20-yard shuttle of 4.34 seconds, and he did 24 reps of 225 pounds on the bench press. And so when you look at his spider graph, which is one of the things that Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee loves to look at, the spider graph is, is a way to visually represent how basically where a player ranks within a specific position group with their measurables. And when it comes to outside linebackers, and here's the thing, he was drafted as an outside linebacker. They don't have him as a D end or an edge. That is what he played at Eastern Washington. But when it comes to outside linebackers, he is in the 93rd percentile in 40 yard dash, 89 in vertical jump, 95 in broad jump, 79 in 20 yard split, 87 in 10 yard split and 65 in bench press, which again, he's not a huge guy. So those bench press numbers are actually pretty impressive. So Have when you've seen you, his arms and the pitchers, yeah, he's, a, he's built, he's built like a brick shit house, if you will. He's, uh, he's built like Bosa's biceps. That's like right. So, so when you hear those, when you hear those things, Tim, like what, you know, you, you hear not a lot of production, but then you hear his measurables. What does that? What does that say to you? Well, it, okay. First, first off, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to what it says to me. When when you said Samson and I said Samson Samson, I got no response from you, and I was very very disappointed. Do you know what movie that's from? A, I did not hear you. Come on, buddy. I was talking. That's true. You were in your own dome. I was. Okay. Two. Okay. Redemption time. Two. I do not. Really? <laughs> Samson, I stick to my story. No? Nothing? Nothing. D- Dave Chappelle? Oh, you're killing me. Is it? Is it half-baked? Yes. When did yes. it say that in Half-Baked? It's okay. So at the end of the movie, Samson is the 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 weed kingpin, if you will, in the end of the movie. And he goes in as the Rastafarian. Do you remember? I don't. Samson, I've got to, Samson. Say, I've got to oh. watch this movie again. It's been a while. You're gonna have to. Anyways, every time that you say Samson in my brain, I Samson. It just goes off. So I'm sure some of our listeners will will also know. When you said if not when you said Dave Chappelle though, and then you kind of mimicked his the way that he speaks, like I can hear him now saying the word. It just still doesn't connect for the movie. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to find the clip and play it while while you're in your brain talking again. Um but to get back to his his production. I would not be concerned if I was a 49er fan. Well, I am a 49er fan. And there's zero reason to think that the lack of production in the past couple of years is is going to be what he's going to produce on the 49ers. This is a a very, I think it's a sneaky, good signing. Opposite Bosa. You know, I saw earlier Bosa and Sosa, because Sosa is the nickname he has on Instagram for himself, whether he gave it to himself or somebody else did. So we got Bosa and Sosa coming at you. He he will specialize on pass rush downs. That to me means he is going to be able to have all of his explosion, all of his power, all of his speed, you know, saved up and ready to go for the most valuable downs. And with Eric Armstead inside and Kinlaw inside. I'm just really excited. I watched a clip where he ran a stunt uh, from the outside and he exploded off of his outside leg and cut inside and ran inside the guard. So started outside the tackle, ran inside the guard and just demolished Russell Wilson. It was phenomenal. I I really like them. Russell Wilson gets demolished. Yeah, let Russ get sacked. Eat turf. Um, <laughs> so not only do you have an extremely athlete, like sneaky, athletic, big, strong guy, but he's also extremely durable. He's the opposite of D Ford in that aspect. Yeah, buddy. Y- you get the explosion. You get the speed, the strength. Opposite Bosa, but then you get the durability. Somebody who hasn't missed a ton of games. And I think that's what the that's the signing that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were looking for moving forward. They're not going for just pure talent where guys have been hurt. They might get, you know, we're taking a risk. No, they want durable players. This is a fantastic signing. Yeah, he uh, he has been in the league for four years out of a possible 64 games. He's played 64 games. So that I mean, that already makes him a the healthiest 49er on the roster probably <laughs> but uh but here are some and, and and this is what i mean when i say initially you look at the signing and, and it is a little bit underwhelming but if you dig a little bit deeper you can start to see a what it is that the 49ers see and b you can start to make a connection about how he fits and so um the first thing i gotta say is what i love is that his twitter header was a picture of him sacking nick mullins and he has since crushing. He has crushing. He has since changed it, which I, I appreciate. But um, he had a higher sack percentage than Leonard Floyd, who just got four years and sixty-four million dollars from the Rams. Carl Lawson, who just got a similar contract from the Jets. Romeo Aquara, who got a smaller but still similar contract from the Lions, and Hassan Reddick, who is a free agent still in twenty twenty. He had a higher sack percentage than those players. Now, again, this is 
on at on a limited basis. I believe he had 156 pass rush opportunities over the entire season where these other guys had significantly more, but he had a higher sack percentage. His pressure rate in 2020 was 14.7%. And to put that in perspective, Kerry Hyder, who had nine and a half sacks last year, his pressure rate was 12.6%. And then in terms of PFF's pass rushing productivity, Ebukam ranked 37th at 6.5. And again, for reference, Kerry Hyder was 7.7. But the thing that I saw that I guess really excited me the most, Marco Martinez, who is another member of, of, of the 49er Twitterati, if you will, he tweeted out Shaq Barrett, who is the superstar edge rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He just re-signed for... Uh, again, somewhere around six or four for 64, somewhere around there. He said Shaq Barrett, before becoming a full-time starter, Shaq Barrett was a, a part-time player for the Denver Broncos before he went to Tampa Bay, said Shaq Barrett, before becoming a full-time starter, only had reached five and a half sacks, 14 sacks in four years, but was winning and had a good pressure rate. Samson Ebukam has 14 sacks in four years, and generated a career-high 12.7% pressure rate as a situational pass rusher in 2020, which was the 15th highest rate in the NFL. So there's a there's a comparison there, right? Shaq Barrett didn't become this superstar edge rusher until he got the opportunity in Tampa Bay. And here's where I think the connection is. In Denver, Shaq Barrett was miscast as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense and didn't get the kind of opportunity that he now gets in Tampa Bay as a 4-3 defensive end edge pass rusher position. Now we have Samson Ebukam, who comes from the LA Rams. His first three years in the league, he was miscast as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. Brandon Staley came in last year, implemented more of a fluid front, but it was still a 4-3 base. And he had more pass rush opportunities, and he took advantage of them to the tune of a 12.7% pressure rate, which was 15th in the league. Now he's going to come to a 49ers defense that implements the wide nine technique on the defensive line, which is a godsend for somebody with the athletic profile that he has because he's going to be able to line line up outside that tackle and that explosion and that get off and that four or five speed that he has is going to be a nightmare for any tackle trying to block him. And so, honestly, I feel like this is like a, a value signing, a budget signing, if you will. But another situation where the 49ers are betting on the production of somebody who, in a limited role, had significant production and they're now going to see, Hey, if we expand his role and, and, and here's the thing is, is he's going to have that D Ford role where on base downs, it's going to be Bosa Kinlaw, whoever plays next to Kinlaw and Armstead, right? Those are going to be our four guys. But when it comes to obvious pass downs, what they call their turbo package or their NASCAR package, it's going to be Bosa Kinlaw Armstead and Ebukam. And I, I think I, you know, I was in a, I was in a locker room session with Peter, Chris Biederman and Kyle Madsen uh, earlier this evening. And Madsen asked Biederman, if you, if you had to take an over under on five and a half sacks for Ebukam this season, what would you take? And I'm a hundred percent taking the over. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, hundred percent. This is, this was a very, very smart acquisition. Um, yeah, Samson Simpson, a stick by my story. Did you find it? I did. Should I? You gotta. All right. Listen. Ready. Set. Yes. Welcome to my lair. Well, now, tell me a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> well, you know, I'd be from Jamaica, man. Not a mercy. What part of Jamaica? Right near the beach. Boy, I think you're bullshitting me. Samson Simpson, 
I stick by my story. I'm from Jamaica. If I wasn't Jamaican, then why would I wear this hat? Hmm? You hear it? Uh, that's right. He's pretending to be Jamaican. That's right. All right. Right. All right. Where in Jamaica? Right near the beach, boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, it's the best Jamaican accent I can do. I love it. Um, I love it. So Samson Simpson, every time. How am I going to get that out of my brain? Maybe you don't um, need to. Fair enough. Maybe you don't fair need enough. to. All right, let's go ahead and take a break and hear from our sponsor, El Jefe Tequila. Well, Brian, the 2020 season is officially over for the 49ers. Yes, it is. But guess what that means. It's time to drink some El Jefe tequila and start prepping for the 2021 season. Yes, sir. It's time to talk some Niner draft while slamming Nitro drafts. It's time for El Jefe on the rocks and drafting up some mocks. If the Niners are moving up spots, the Denim Dungeon's taking shots. Next season is going to be nice. We'll be sipping El Jefe on ice. That's what I'm talking about. We know the Niners are drafting 12th, but we don't know who they're picking first. I know who we're picking first. It's that luxury craft tequila out of Carmel, California. It's a generational talent for sure. Man, this sounds like a pretty exciting offseason. It sure does. If you want to draft some El Jefe tequila for your liquor cabinet, visit www.eljefetequila.com. That's E-L-J-E-F-E-T-E-Q-U-I-L-A.com. The pick is in. And it's El Jefe Tequila. All right, so those cover all the signings that the 49ers had today and in the previous few days. Uh, actually, over the offseason, they have brought back. So here are the 49ers that are returning. Again, they had a, a just an insane amount of free agents. And so they're bringing back Daniel Brunskill, your boy River Craycraft, our boy River Craycraft. I, I'll claim River as well. I mean, he's yours. You he's more yours than mine, but I still like to claim him. Uh, Ross Dwelly. Safety, Marcel Harris, Kyle Juszczyk, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, safety, Kai Nakua, uh, our boy Tabor Pepper, long snapper extraordinaire. Peps. Love the peps. Quarterback, Josh Rosen, and then Jason Verrett, running back, Austin Walter. He was a a, a, a restricted rights free agent. And then cornerback, Ken Webster, and running back, Jeff Wilson, Junior. So as far as let me let me read off the list of the rest of the 49ers that are unrestricted free agents. And you just tell me whether you want them back on the team or not. All right. You ready? How much how much money do I have to spend on this? Um, I, I don't I'm just saying in like they can make if they can make it work, you want them back. OK. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Ready. Ziggy Ansa. ready. No. CJ Beathard. <laughs> no. Tony Bergstrom. No, Godspeed, CJ. Don't, don't know who he is, right? Uh, Tevin Coleman. Oh, no. Tom Compton. Yes. Okay. Ben Garland. Yes. Ronis Grasso. Mm. No. Kerry Hyder. Yes. See, I want him back. I think he's going to end up in New York. Although the, uh, yeah, the Jets... The Jets signed Carl Lawson today, uh, which gives them kind of their speed rusher. And, um, you know, I, I guess they could they could possibly get Kerry Hyder to fill that Nick Bosa role, maybe. But I know I know Robert Sala loves Kerry Hyder. So but also Kerry yeah. Hyder's a Chris Kasurik guy as well. So you never know. And it really I think it just depends on what Hyder's market looks like. Uh Dante Johnson. The price would have to be really right. Okay. DJ Jones. DJ Jones. Yes. Dion Jordan. No. Jarek McKinnon. No. Jordan Reed. Jet. Yeah, I want Jordan Reed back. Richard Sherman. Oh, God. If we could get Sherman back for the right price, but I, no I, chance. that's not. No, no chance. chance. Yeah. Jaquaski It's just... Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I think I think Jaquaski. I think Jaquaski Tart, when healthy, is one of like he could be a top five strong safety. Um, but but Sherm is just everything he brings: leadership qualities, the the swagger. Just he, he builds up everybody around him. Like it just seems like people play better when he's on the field 
just because he's so smart. Um, but I, he's aging, and you would have to get him at a severe discount. Yeah. And then is he really going to beat out Mosley for that starting corner position? Like, it's one of those situations where I don't know. Like Sherman has to Sherman has to play in a zone heavy scheme in order to yeah. be effective. And the 49ers didn't run a zone heavy scheme last year. Now, do we know what D'Amico Ryans is going to do? No, we don't. So, you know, maybe they would, but I, I don't think there's any chance that he comes back. He wants to play for two more years. I think he's trying to make as much money as possible. And so I think it, it is time to move on from Sherm, even though I love him to death. Um, and then we said Jaquaski Tart. Uh, I agree with you when he's healthy. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. It's just that he can't stay stay healthy. And and honestly, I think they're going to roll it, run it back with Jimmy Ward and Tarverius Moore in those spots. So I don't think I don't think Tart's coming back. Uh, Jamar Taylor. Mm. He played nickel when K one went down, but he also tore his ACL mid year, so he wouldn't even be ready, ready. until. He'd be a huge discount, but he actually played, re- he played really well when he was he in did. there in that he short, really did. short stint. Yeah. Uh, Trent Taylor. Oh, poor Trent. I hate to say this, but no. Yeah, no way. I just, I, I just don't think he's got it. Like, I, I think his injuries took a toll, and he doesn't have the quickness anymore. Yeah. I think he's I, out. Yeah. yeah no. No. Uh, Solomon Thomas. For the price. If, if the, the price, price was right, right. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh linebacker Joe Walker? No. No. Uh Kwan. Yes. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I think Kwan uh so Robert Sala loves Kwan and I think Kwan's going to end up getting paid by the Jets and he's from New Jersey. So that just makes like too much sense. But if too they were to sense. get Kwan back, I, that would be huge because I feel like the nickel position is really under misunderstood in the NFL. And the intelligence level that you have to have to play that position, because there are so many different variables that go into what it is that you're doing on any given play. And K1 is a master at that. And so I don't think that they're going to be able to afford him, but I would 100% want him back. I also have my eye on Elijah Molden, the safety slash defensive back from Washington. I think he Hmm. could be an excellent replacement in the slot. That's a good call. But yeah, I'd take the shark back any day. Yeah. Trent Williams. Yes. <laughs> um, let me think. Hell yes. <laughs> um, Jordan Willis. No. And then Akella Weatherspoon. Yeah. I'd, I'd take Spoon back. We need depth at the corner position. Yeah. I think he... His size, his ability—he really, he really showed some bright spots last year. I think, as long as he doesn't get in his own head and and you know, like, just demoralize himself, I think he's fine. He he shows flashes. Yeah. He can be really, really good. Yeah, I also heard that uh, Seattle has reached out to him. I would honestly hate to see him as a Seahawk. I don't want to face him because what happens if if he blossoms and then he just owns us every um, and then he's no sherman thanks. 2.0 like he's well, got the body yeah. type he does he, he does for sure all right so you know we talked about trent williams do we think he's going to come back so i i honestly think that he is i think at this point he's just trying to get as much money as he can and good for him you know when you have when you're a player that has a cancer scare and you lose two and a half years of your playing career to that largely because the Washington football team medical staff really kind of bungled everything. But I I think as a, as a human being, you're going to be like, you're always going to have that in the back of your mind. And so you're going to say, I'm going to get mine as much as I can. So I think ultimately he does come back and I think you are in the same boat. Would you agree that you think he is coming back? I'm, I'm leaning towards, yes, he's going to come back, but I'm also, I feel like every time I have a a feeling about something, the exact opposite happens. All right. Well, then so, stop having feelings. Then, yes, I'm no longer. That's why I've taken a sabbatical <laughs> from from f- my feelings and this nice. free agency. I'm Smart. just trying to be as as 
removed as possible so that I, I can't do the roller coaster highs and lows. Cause I do feel like whatever I want to happen, usually the opposite happens in these situations. So worst case scenario, Trent Williams doesn't come back. Where do you go from there? Wow. Um, well, I, I mean, is, is, is Joe Staley willing to come out of retirement and eat some sandwiches? <laughs> I was gonna say, but, Joe. Joe's dropped too much weight. He can't come back now. He's he's skinny. He's skinny boy now. He's still bigger than McGlinchey. Anyways, <laughs> let's. <laughs> oh, Mike. I, I know it's so sad. Eat a sandwich, Mike McGlinchey, please. I love you. Eat a um, goddamn sandwich. Come on. Eat. Golly, just how? You know what? Instead of bread, use egos, and then put some peanut butter in between and. There you go. Those that's how I used to try and gain weight. Now it oof. I have them in the morning and it just seems like the pounds nice. keep going. Nice. Anywho, I digress. Uh I think at the the 49ers draft spot at 12 if there's a chance a top level tackle falls to 12, especially if you know Trey Lance had an outstanding pro yeah. day. Yeah. His stock is rising. Mac Jones's stock Who? is right. Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. <laughs> so good. I love it so much. Mac Jones is. Don't say it again. His um his stock is going up. So we theor- like theoretically, you could see five quarterbacks go. Yeah. In the top ten, it it's not out of the realm of possibility. If that happens, that means. Because you're not going to see, you're not going to see all the top end receivers. You're not going to see um, pits. Like there's so much talent in this draft. If five quarterbacks go in the top ten, the the teens is just going to be littered with with top end talent in key positions, and tackle could be one of them. So if we don't get Trent, like maybe that's where you go. Yeah, I think, you know, you're right. If if five quarterbacks go in the top 10, like some people think they will, then obviously that pushes significant talent down the board. Uh, and the 49ers could absolutely reap the benefits. There are two consensus top tackles in the draft right now, and that's Panay Sewell from Oregon and Rayshon Slater from Northwestern. The likelihood that one of those guys is available at 12 is low, but it's it's there. It's definitely there. Um, if both of those guys are gone at 12, then if I'm John Lynch, I'm looking to trade back. And then there is kind of a second tier of tackles led by Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. And then also um, Samuel Cosme from Texas, who had a massive pro day and really raised his sock his stock that guy is uh an athletic freak i think he's six eight uh, but just moves really fluid and, and and might be actually a perfect fit for what the 49ers like to do with that outside zone because really what you're looking for and this is why you know mike mcglinchy was so high on their draft board is you need a real you need an athlete you need an athlete at the tackle position and rayshon slater is that panay sewell is that Samuel Cosme is that Derisaw is also that. So, you know, there are some there are some replacements in the draft that you could go with, but obviously the there is going to be a drop because you're going from a Hall of Fame Trent Williams to a rookie. But I mean there are there are replacement options in the draft. So, I think if if they can't get Trent Williams done, I think that they actually do look to the draft to replace him because I don't think that there's anybody that is available on the free agent tackle market that would be uh, a fit for what the 49ers like to do. If you're looking just at left tackles, uh there's Trent Williams, obviously, Russell Okung who you know, no thanks. Uh, Eric Fisher, who the Chiefs cut, uh, he's 30, but he tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. So I don't know that he would be ready to start the season. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you hope that he's ready within the first four games, and maybe you put Brunskill out at left tackle for those first four games or whatever. So there, there's an option there, maybe. Um, Riley Reef as well from Minnesota, but he's 33. 
Alejandro Villanueva from Pitt, but he's he doesn't profile as the type of tackle that that the 49ers want and need for that outside zone uh, just because he's not as athletic as he is uh, just big and, and, a, and a great pass protector. But, you know, the, the 49ers, their entire offense is built off the run and the threat of the run. And if you don't have a left tackle who can – you know, run those outside zones and get to the second level and absolutely murder people in the second level like Trent Williams does, then, you know, that's not a signing that you, you know, that you're going to make. So I I agree. I think they would look to the draft and, you know, um, out out of the tackles that are still available, maybe look at Eric Fisher and, and hope that again, he is, he's available within the first four games, but you, but you never know. So, Ultimately, you know, we're we're going to end this podcast and just say that the 49ers need to hashtag pay Trent Williams. Pay there is no Trent Williams. There's no Let's go. There's no excuses. There is there's there's also no other options. The the 49ers have to sign Trent Williams and if they don't, that is a failure for the entire offseason and a very 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 difficult path to compete in 2021. I mean, it is, it's time for this front office to be aggressive, to go out and go get the guy that they need. You know, the checklist was simple. There was three players that they had to resign. We talked about this already. Like you already got use check. You got Verrett, go get Trent Williams. You can't be two of three. You need all three of those guys. And then we have an opportunity we the 49ers have an opportunity to run it back in 2021 if they stay healthy hashtag patron williams hashtag kyle hashtag <laughs> hashtag samson. kyle i love it hashtag, hashtag pray for samson <laughs> samson 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 yeah it i mean ultimately like you said you can't go two of three if one of those two isn't trent williams you know if they went two for three on williams verrett and use and they missed out on either use or Verrett, but got Williams, then that's fine with me. You know, uh, you, you talked earlier about a grade for their offseason moves so far. And uh, John Chapman, who's the host of the 49ers Rush podcast, put out a poll earlier today asking how we would grade their their moves from, I guess, the entire offseason, but mainly today. And it was A, B, C, or F. And a lot of people put B because you got check, you got Verrett, and you got Ebukam. Um, I gave him a C because those are good moves, but they are brought down by the fact that you still haven't signed Trent Williams. So John Lynch, get it done. Obviously, obviously he's listening. Get it right. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm hey, t- pour yourself John, a beverage. I'm talking, I'm talking directly to you right now. Yes. Put down, put down your beverage for a second. Yeah, put quit, down your phone. Quit drinking beers, 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 <laughs> and get Trent Williams back to Santa Clara. Thanks. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. Yes, that's it. Pay Trent Williams. That's it. That's the tweet. That's that's the article. Oh, man, that still would be a great article. <laughs> that would be a great article. All right. Well, that's so, all we have for you tonight. Uh, again, this was just the first day of free agency. We will be back next week. Uh, same time. It'll be a recording Monday night coming out Tuesday morning. Uh, this actually comes out at, at Tuesday morning at typically about like 12, 1230 in the morning. Um, I don't know if anybody listens then. I do for a little bit before I fall asleep, but, um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. And, and hopefully what we'll be talking about is the moves that they made to sign Trent Williams. We'll start to look towards the draft, which I checked today, Tim, the draft is still seven weeks away. That's so, that's so long away. That's so long. Come Um, on. And, you know, honestly, I think if, if they get Trent Williams done tomorrow or Wednesday, I don't know that you're going to see them very active past that but you never know yeah and you know i i am hesitant to think that they have a big move up their sleeve like a you know releasing jimmy or restructuring jimmy or trading jimmy or getting Deshaun watson <laughs> some people think some people on twitter are like i feel like there's a big move coming 
I don't think that there is, but if there is, and it's a giant move, then we will do our best to uh, do an emergency pod and talk oh, about 100%. that. Yeah. We would jump on that in a, in a heartbeat, but it, it just, it hasn't been this front office's MO no. to, to make a huge splash. Despite the fact that I'd like that it to every be. every armchair GM thinks that that they know the way to the Super Bowl, but the truth of the matter is, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done it. They've they've made it to the Super Bowl with the formula that they use. It's true. So, That's a good point. I mean, they know that the, they know that their formula works. It yes. works to get you to the Super Bowl. Does it as work long to as win the Super healthy, Bowl? No, yet to be determined. Well, well I mean. Come on, let's let's be real here. Like anything can happen in one game. If the 49ers and the Chiefs played in a seven game series, I'm willing to bet that the 49ers actually come out winning four. But, uh, yeah, and the Chiefs would have won, I think, at most two. And and that's the piece where in a one game Super Bowl, anything can happen. And you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of 49er fans that have only witnessed two Super Bowl losses, and they did not have the pleasure of watching the 49ers hoist a Lombardi trophy. Um, and that's crazy to me. It's been 1994. That's a long time, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. It's time. It is time. It's time. It's time. Um, so we're going to head out of here, but if you haven't done so already, uh, I would just say please check out the – sprint right option podcast with our boys with, jason aponte and andrew pasquini yes th- we we were lucky enough to be on uh whether it was their it wasn't our last show because i think they've recorded another one but they invited us on you know they're two great guys um really really smart it was just it was a blast so if you if you get a chance Hopefully you're listening to this. You've you've rated it five stars. You've subscribed. You've followed us on Twitter. You've done all that jazz. But go over there and follow Sprint Ride Option Podcast. Um, Rate, follow review, Jay. subscribe. Yeah, follow follow Jay and Andrew on Twitter. They they are hysterical. They have they they put out a ton of content. They do a great job. Um, but but most importantly, they're good dudes and. And I think that's what's important. Absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, we will be back next week. But until then, bang, bang. Niner gang.